Hey, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Joy Church Online. So good to be with you. What a great time of worship. Just wonderful to sing about the goodness of God. We have an awesome, amazing God. And in this series, we're talking about zooming out of the circumstances and the, you know, not being able to see the, the forest for the trees. We get caught in the mundane. Uh, and I think that reminder of the goodness of God is so helpful for us. Hey, before we jump into the message today, I want to give you a couple of quick announcements. As you know, Joy Church, we are all about participation. We're not just a spectating church. You know, if you're looking for the greatest uh, show on earth, you have not found it because church is not about performance. It's not about being an observer. It's about being an active participant. And so we're all about jumping in and uh, getting on the field, not just sitting in the stands. And that happens in our serving, in our giving, in our loving, in all the ways that we connect with our with culture and connect with our uh, friends, family, and neighbors around us. But one of the most uh, important ways we do that is that right after our message ends today, the service is not over. We're jumping into connect groups. And so if you go to joyeugene.com slash live, we have connect groups available to discuss this message, apply it, and grow spiritually together. Now you might say, well, I got what I needed out of the message. I don't need uh, any more training or teaching. Uh, that might be the case, but you can help someone else. You might be able to serve someone else in discussing and helping them grow in their faith. So we don't just go to connect groups to get something. We go to give something. So we're not just consumers. We're contributors, okay? I, won't pre- I could preach on that, but I won't. But right after service, go to joyeugene.com live, jump into a connect group. Uh, we did this last Wednesday night. We had a great time, 6.30 p.m. We have church in the park throughout the summer, Joy Church in the Park, and we're doing it again this week at Emerald Park, 6.30 p.m. We're not going to do hot dogs this time, so don't, don't, come, uh, don't come hungry. Like, eat some food or bring some food. But we had a wonderful time. It was, I think there was about 200 people there. Just an incredible time gathering together. And we're doing that again this week. This is an opportunity for us to come and be the church there in the park. Get the cat out of the bag. It's really awesome. And I want to say this. Yes, I want you to be there. Yes, I am excited about what we're doing on Wednesday nights. But no, you're not a second-class citizen if you can't make it, if you're nervous, if you're part of a vulnerable group, nervous about COVID or anything like that. You are still a part of Joy Church, and please hear my heart on this. We are continuing to be church online, also church in the park. We are not, uh, we're not making a distinction here. We want to gather together, but if you can't make it, that's okay. We love you, so don't, please don't feel like if you can't come that you're not a part of the church or you're being rejected or anything like that. But if you are able, please come. It's an awesome time, Wednesday night, Emerald Park, 6.30 p.m. All right. Uh, Right now it's our opportunity to honor the Lord and worship Him in our giving. And God has been so faithful to us as individuals and so faithful to our church, even through this season, to bless our finances. But this is for us an act of worship Giving is not something we do out of religious duty or compulsion. We give out of what God has given to us. We return to Him our tithe. We return to Him our offering. And it's our pleasure and honor to worship God through our giving. So right now you can do that by going to joyeugene.com slash give. That's joyeugene.com slash give. And there is an opportunity to give uh, text, text to give, to give online. Um, I think we have a carrier pigeon option. There's a telegram uh, option. I'm just kidding. But there's lots of ways to be able to give and honor the Lord. So let me pray for that right now. Father, thank you so much for all the blessing and provision you've given to us in our lives. Lord, we are the recipients of your goodness, Lord, in so many ways, even ways we don't recognize. And Lord, we thank you that as an act of worship, we are able to give back to your house, to your kingdom, to see your purposes and plans, Lord, come to fruition in the world. 
and in our community, but Lord, also we give because it's a recognition and a response to the fact that you are our provider and it's an act of trust and worship. So Lord, I pray that you would bless today all the givers and bless the gift for your purposes and plans here locally and abroad as your kingdom comes to earth. Lord, we give you this time. We thank you for this this opportunity to give to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Awesome. Well, hey, we're going to jump right into the message today. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. want to get you out in time to be able to jump into connect groups. But I'm excited to talk about this. As you know, we're in a series called Zoomed Out, and we're talking about this idea of missing the forest for the trees. You know, oftentimes in life, we get really locked into the here and the now. Even right now, you know, Bethany and I are having nearly daily conversations about what's going on in the news, what's going on in the nation, what's going on politically, what's going on through all these kinds of things, and what these are are a bunch of trees. They are individual circumstances, events in our life here and now, and it's a mistake to get too short-sighted of a perspective where we miss the bigger picture and miss what God is up to both in our lives and in the world and in human history. We can, we can generate a false perspective and a false narrative, a false worldview, if you will, based on only seeing the trees. And so there's something that a follower of Jesus has got to do. You've got to do this, okay? That wasn't good grammar, but it's good preaching. You've got to be able to zoom out. You've got to be able to fly the friendly skies in the Holy Spirit and in prayer and in your heart and mind, lift your vision and get above and beyond that which is happening in the here and now and see the bigger picture, see what God is up to. So that's what we're talking about, zooming out. And so today, I want to share a message with you called Heavenly Minded, Heavenly Minded. Now, perhaps you've, you've heard this phrase before, He's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Or she's so heavenly minded, she's no earthly good. And we, we have these people that we love, right? And we say this affectionately. Someone who's kind of got their head in the clouds. And whether they're a starry-eyed dreamer or whatever it may be, they want to be, you know, the person that tells you they want to be a race car driver, astronaut, cowboy, and mechanic, and the president. You know, they have all these ideas. And so we use this expression, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Or a person who's super spiritual, but they're not very practical, but I want to I say today that my thesis is that actually it is the people that are in fact heavenly minded, not in a space cadet way, but actually think about eternity and the impact their everyday mundane actions have on the big picture and on God's eternal plan and on their eternity. These people that are actually heaven, heavenly minded are actually more earthly good than those that are only focused on the here and the now. You see, many people get too locked into whatever cause or movement or thing that society is about in the moment and miss the bigger picture of what God is about. You see, God is is really about the long term in human history, seeing his purposes and plans. He wants to rescue and redeem the the souls of, of mankind. He wants to draw people back into relationship with him. And there's these ups and downs back and forth in culture, society, empires, nations, history, all of that. When you look back through history, you might go, well, now is the worst time it's ever been. No, no, it's not. It was probably just as bad 50, 60, 100 years ago, this time, this time. A- every time in history, someone's been able to say, this is it, this is the end, this is the apocalypse, this is the bad one. I mean, I want you to go back like 1,000 years to the Black Plague in Europe when 40% of the people perished because of this terrible pestilence. Did you think you were going to hear the word pestilence today? You did not, but now you have, and you're welcome. And in that moment, people would go, man, it's all coming down. This is it. This is it. Okay, we have to lift our vision because there there's so much more to come. And we have to, get a, we have to disconnect ourselves from the current and get connected to the eternal perspective so that we can actually get back to the current and provide 
value to the here and the now. Those that are heavenly minded, that are in touch with what God is up to, not just in our lifetime, but throughout history and in the bigger picture, are actually going to make a bigger difference. Zooming out and living in the light of eternity, those are the people that actually end up impacting the here and the now more than those that are only focused on the now. I want you to think about someone like a Mother Teresa. Okay, She's known for caring for the poor, loving people, the least of these, serving in the slums of, of India, and serving people. Why was she doing that? Was she just caught up in the moment? No, she was serving in the moment, but guided by the light of eternity, the, 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 the ever-present love of God, that light shining into her life, illuminating the now, but it was coming from a distant place. There's something about getting connected with heavenly purpose that changes you in the, in the, in the interim, in the now. Okay, and Jesus really reflects this or speaks to this idea so well in Matthew chapter 6 when he's teaching his disciples how to pray. We call this the Lord's Prayer. You've probably seen it on someone's, uh, a picture on, in someone's bathroom. You know, you were looking at Reader's Digest and, and reading the, that, and then you looked up and you saw this thing and you thought, wow, that's nice. But actually, this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, this is a big statement. This is a big thing here. And we don't want to just brush it off and go, you know, and pray it kind of in this religious way, like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, your kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And kind of like move through it in this mantra way. No, let's, let's look into these words with intentionality. Let's lean into them. Jesus says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we need to be clear about the terms heaven and earth. When I say being heavenly minded, you might think of heaven as like the place good people go when they die, they turn into fat babies and they play a three-stringed harp, right? And we all eat, you know, as much as we want and we can fly. Like, I don't know what you think about heaven, but most people have this idea. Heaven is the place good people go when they die. Okay, that is not what heaven is, okay? Let me just help you really quick theologically. In the book of Revelations, when you talk about eschatology, the, the theology of end times, of, of, of final things, heaven does not, we don't go up to heaven. We, heaven comes down to us. It talks about the new Jerusalem coming down to earth. God unites heaven and earth. Heaven is God's domain. Heaven is God's realm. We don't go to heaven. God, when, when, when all things end, he brings heaven to earth, Okay. Human beings will always live on a planet called Earth. It'll always be like this. Okay, you go, man, you're blowing my mind. I thought I was going to be a fat baby playing a harp. No, you're not. I mean, maybe you are, but I don't think the Bible talks about that at all. So you got that from precious moments. You didn't get it from the scripture, okay? <laughs> I don't know where you got it. Heaven isn't just this happy place where people go, good people go when they die. Heaven is God's domain. It's his realm. Heaven is where God is. It's where what God wants done gets done. It's where God's will and word and everything is established. It's where his grace and goodness and glory are on display. And the original intent of God was that heaven and earth would, would coexist. Heaven and earth would come together. There'd be this unity. But what happened is sin broke these realms apart. When, when, when mankind decided to go against God's will <clears throat> and enter into sin, it broke these worlds apart. And so we saw earth now becomes this place of darkness and and, and, you know, discouragement and depression and evil and brokenness. But God's realm, heaven, is still good. His will is still being done. So the, the story of the Bible, the scriptures, is actually this reconciliation where God is saying, hey, my initial purpose, my original intent was for heaven and earth to coexist and for my will and goodness and, 
and glory to be reflected through my image bearers, men and women, right, made in the image of God. That was the original purpose, and that is still God's purpose. And so therefore, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and mine so that we could be reconciled with God and we could actually join up again with the family business to bring heaven to earth. You go back to the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. What does God tell Adam and Eve before sin? He says, tend and keep the garden, right? Make something of the world. They have to name, right? They have to organize. They have to bring order out of chaos. There was something that even in the goodness of God's creation, there was more to be done because God was inviting them to take up his family business, this purpose of bringing order from chaos and creating something, making something beautiful out of this domain that he calls earth or that we know is earth. Sin distorted all of that. Jesus gives us an opportunity to jump back into that. Now I'm saying a lot of stuff here. This is probably like a fire hydrant to the face, but this is important to understand because otherwise we don't get what Jesus is actually saying when he teaches us how to pray. Because if we're going, Lord, I pray that earth would be like, you know, the place where the fat babies play harps. It just doesn't, it's not right. It's not what we're praying. What we're praying is, God, we want your will, what, how you want this planet to be organized and, and set up, where there is no destruction and there is no divorce and there is no brokenheartedness. There is no evil and murder and racism and injustice anymore. We don't want those things. That's not what God intended. And so when we pray for God's will to be done and heaven to come to earth, we're asking for this reconciliation of these two realms. Heaven is not just the happy place good people go when they die. Jesus wants our prayers and actions to reflect his heart for the world, that God's kingdom, heaven, would be established here on earth. We, as followers of Jesus, are called to bridge these realms. Now listen, there's this tension and this wrestling in all of us because we are people of two worlds. Do you ever feel crazy, like schizophrenic, like split in half? Because half of you wants to do what's evil and wrong and bad. And the other half in your good moments wants to like serve Jesus and love people and serve and give and be nice to puppies and kids. You know what I'm saying? Like we have kind of these two natures at war. The reason is because you're a citizen of two realms. You're split right down the middle and you're standing on the border and you're called to bring these realms together. Okay, this is some big stuff here. But again, we're talking about being heavenly minded. If you're too caught up in the right now, you're going to miss the big picture of what God's trying to do on the inside of us. So we're supposed to think about heaven. We're supposed to think about eternity being this conduit. And we, we need to have this paradigm switch, this, this flipping of the switch from thinking just about the now and being reactive to the now and making this paradigm switch to being proactive to what God wants to, to, to accomplish. Switching from being reactive to proactive, having a paradigm switch. Now, what is a paradigm switch. Paradigm switch is where you have been seeing things from one way, only one way, and then you get a new perspective that shifts you to see a completely different way. For me, probably the biggest paradigm switch, and I know a lot of guys go through this, is there's a point where all of a sudden girls go from cooties to cute, right? It's like, I don't know, it's a 10 second thing. It's like they have cooties, they're gross, they're the worst, ick, I don't want to see them, I don't want to play with them, they're nasty, and then boom, all of a sudden it's like different, and now you're like, huh, and that's when you start wearing deodorant and cologne, right, as a nine-year-old or whatever it is. And for me, I remember it was first grade. There was this girl named Shayla, and uh, Shayla was a little cowgirl. She, you know, she wore the denim, like acid-washed denim clothes. She had blonde ringlets and had like lots of turquoise jewelry and bolos and cool stuff like that. And I, like for me, boom, big time paradigm 
switch from being icky cooties to, well, I kind of want to hang out with her. Okay, so everything changes. That's a paradigm switch, and that's how we need to be about eternity, is where things, it flips and we go, you know, I'm, I'm actually thinking about the things of God. I'm thinking about the bigger picture. I'm not looking to just, you know, get revenge on people or get my perspective across. I'm, I'm actually thinking about what God is up to in history. So if we get a vision of eternity, if we get a vision of heaven to earth, if we get a vision of what God was doing back then, is doing now, and is doing in the future, it changes everything about how we operate right now, right? It, it changes everything. Your day looks different when you're living in the light of eternity than it does when you're living in the light of current events, living in the light of what's happening now. But here's what we're up against. Jesus' disciple John, in a letter that he wrote, this is 1 John chapter 2, he said this to these believers. He said, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. Okay? There's an exchange, a trade, where the world wants to give you things to get, to get you caught up in the now, get you caught up in the moment. It says, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. What's he talking about? Two kingdoms, two, two pathways, two realms. And he says in verse 16, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Two kingdoms, two realms, heaven, earth. What does earth offer? What does the here and now, what does the world offer? It offers pride, it offers pleasure, it offers possessions, or at least the promise may be false of these things. And he says in verse 17, this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So what John is saying here is, look, you're going to be tempted. Everybody say amen. We're tempted to have a pride of life, our achievements, our possessions. I'm rich. I've done this. I've made something of myself. Uh, our, to pursue pleasure, right? To pursue possessions, to pursue uh, wanting to be better than someone else, status, these types of things. But John says, look, guys, these are bad investments for your life. Why are these bad investments for your life? Well, the reason is because they're not God's best for you. They're not from God. They're the, the, the fleeting, fading promises of this world, and they're fading away. They don't last, okay? They, they're not go they don't have any staying power. You've heard the saying before, he who dies with the most toys still dies, Right? At some level, you came naked, you came into this world screaming, right? The doctor slapped your butt, handed you to your daddy, whatever, you know, and you're going to go out in a similar way. Hopefully nobody's slapping your naked butt, but, <laughs> but you're going to go out. You, you don't take it with you. And so this world says, hey, you could be the king of the world. You could be Leonardo DiCaprio on the front of the Titanic. But you know what? Eventually it all fades away. And so there's this theme throughout the scriptures of going, hey, don't get too caught up in when life gets super good. And don't get too caught up when life gets really low, when it's really bad. Because you're not of this world. You're a citizen of another kingdom. There's more to this life. And it, and it steps over this line of eternity into this heavenly mindset, right? There's more than meets the eye. So John is saying, look, this doesn't, these are bad investments. It's not what God really has for you. And it's going to fade away. So even if you were to get this pride, the pleasure, the possessions, all of it, it doesn't last. It's kind of like when I try to talk my kids out of Happy Meals. You know, my kids, we go to McDonald's, and I think all kids are probably like this. I was like this as a kid. And McDonald's is brilliant because they give you your food, and then a Happy Meal includes this really special thing. What is it? A toy, right? 
Now, what do these toys actually cost McDonald's? 10 cents, 5 cents, probably less. They're little cheap gimmicky pieces of plastic, right? It, and if you're a parent, you know, you probably feel the same way as I do with kids that get Happy Meal toys. It's like the bane of my existence because these things just litter our yard, our house, their room. They, they play with it once. It gives them fleeting pleasure. It's like fun while they eat the hamburger. By the time the hamburger's gone, there's no value. There's no staying power to these little cheap toys. And we laugh about that. We talk about that. But that's exactly how it goes in our life when we pursue the things of this world above and beyond the things of God, above and beyond the things of heaven, the things of eternity, we just get these fleeting pleasures, these fading things. We make these really short-term bad investments and people will give their entire life chasing after these trinkets. And you go, well, no, it's different because the, the life that I'm going to get, I'm going to be rich. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have you know, all the, the romance that I want. Okay, at the end of it all, in the light of eternity, when the, when the light of eternity shines upon your life, you're going to see that you either invested in the things that mattered or you invested in the things that simply did not. And all of us have a decision. Do we choose wisdom and we listen to God's word or do we lean into the short side of the temporary? Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth, right? He said it directly. Don't do it. Don't put your investments here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Living for eternity, living for heaven, having that heavenly perspective, a zoomed out, bigger perspective is a smart investment. C.S. Lewis said it this way, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Let me say that again. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Okay, this is brilliant and this is so true because behind every desire on this planet, on earth, behind every desire for maybe pride, pleasure, possessions, is a heart cry for love, for fulfillment. And that is actually what is granted when we give our life to Christ, when we lean into God's kingdom and pursue him, we get all these things added unto you. When you seek first the kingdom of God, you get accomplishment, you get to achieve things, you get blessed, you get amazing things, you, you, you have joy. Now you go, well, does that mean you're saying if I serve Jesus, I'm going to get everything I want? No, it doesn't work out that way. But he fulfills you. It's like the desire behind the desire gets fulfilled and so you actually are fulfilled, right? And we've talked about this a lot. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, to give them life and life to the full, life more abundantly. So you get the fulfillment of the desire when you chase after heaven. But if you chase after earth, you neither get earth nor do you get heaven. It's like the wrong perspective, the wrong pursuit, and it leaves you empty. So how do we live in light of eternity? Taking what I'm talking about today, how do we take this heavenly-minded perspective and put it into action? Number one, we need to lift our vision. Lift our vision. Okay, what does that mean? It means when you start looking down, when you start looking at the here and the now, and you go, well, this is what's happening now, and this is politically what's going on, and this is what's happening in culture and society, and I'm mad at this group or that group. I'm going to go do X, Y, Z because of these people. Just, just go lift your vision. Just lift up your head and go, what, what is a God perspective? If God was looking down, which he is, if, if he's looking down and I were able to share just a, a tenth or a hundredth or a millionth of his perspective of this situation, how would I react? How would I respond? What would I do? And I guarantee you, you will do different things than you would if you didn't lift your vision. Lift up your vision and say, what is a heavenly perspective of this here and this now? 
Because oftentimes we're willing to trade long-term relationships and the things that really matter, which are the souls of people, to win arguments, to win you know, fights with people, to be justified, you know, because they wronged me, and so I'm not going to forgive. But if you had a higher vision, you'd go, you know what, actually forgiveness is the right path. Forgiveness is the right path. Because I might lose this fight, I might lose this, this you know, bout with my spouse, but I'm going to gain the longer-term perspective, okay? And so when we lift our vision, it's a powerful thing. And it, and it begins, you begin to think, how do my choices impact eternity? Is this something I would do if it was baked into the pie, as it were, for my entire life? Would I make this decision, right? Many of us should just run every decision we make, everything we invest in, everything we decide through a heavenly perspective, and it would change our life. Is this for the kingdom of God? Is this building the long term or is this building my kingdom and my, you know, fulfilling my desires in the in- interim period? Okay, number two, we need to begin to live for what lasts. Live for what lasts. This is where we reprioritize our life according to an eternal standard. Relationships we prioritize to an eternal standard. Our pursuits, in other words, what we're doing with our life, the things we're giving our time and energy and affection, and then our possessions and begin to live for what lasts. You see, many people, if, they were to, if you were to look at their bank account or you were to look at their, their schedule of what they actually give their time and money to, what you'd find is that their, their priority, the real priority, is very much so based in this world rather than based in investing in heaven. Okay? So let me give you a practical example. You know, right now this is actually not happening because everything's different in the world, but uh, for, for, you know, for many years it was like this where families would go, well, I can't be at youth group or we can't get our kids to church or we can't do this or that. We can't be a part of joy group because of fill in the blank, sports, extra activities, drama, da 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 And there's all these reasons why you can't even be a part of a church in a real authentic way, in a real way, because fill in the blank other priorities. Okay, now when I hear that, I go, you know what, I've got my own stuff, so I'm not throwing stones where I need to reprioritize, but let me just give you some pastoral wisdom here. You are prioritizing in the, in the, according to the wrong things, and if you do that, you bake that into the pattern of your children's life, your life, all of that, and you're, you're not investing in heaven, you're investing in this planet. You know, I, I appreciate that my parents would never let anything like sports or, you know, drama or music or whatever pri- be prioritized above God's house, God's people, and learning to be a follower of Jesus, because you can get better at soccer, right? And, and just like little Timmy's not going to be Pele, I'm sorry, but just let's be honest here, okay? It's not likely. So you can get better at soccer, you can get better at football, but you don't get better at football when your soul does not belong to God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all, okay? So again, you, you, it's like the person that, that strains at a gnat swallows a camel. We want the best for our children. We want the best for our life. But if we put the priorities in the wrong spot, you end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's not a good thing. Okay, so hear my heart on this. You go, well, gosh, you're just this, you're being rude. You're hurting my feelings. Sometimes our feelings need to get hurt so that we can get our head in the right spot. Do you prioritize your life according to eternal things? For my children, there are things that, like my parents would say to us, others may, you may not. We live in a culture of gratification. It's like we only say yes. Well, you want to do this, you want to do that. Yes, yes, yes. At some level, that does not work. So we have to get with ourselves and with our kids and with our, uh, our relationships. We have to get to this place where we go, others may, you may not. Even our own self-discipline. Okay, well, other people aren't reading their Bible and praying. Other people aren't giving. Other people aren't serving. Yeah, but 
If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to toe that line. You've got to step up and put, take on your cross every day. Okay, I'm preaching good. I can't hear you amening, but I know you are. Live for what lasts. Begin to reprioritize your life according to an eternal standard in all areas, relationships, pursuits, possessions. Are you a Christian on Sundays and not for six other days? Are you? It doesn't work like that, right? So it has to go through all of our life. And then number three, don't be Demas. Don't be Demas. Now you go, what the heck does that mean? Well, let me tell you. Okay. In 2 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, his spiritual son, and he's talking about this individual named Demas. Now listen about this. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And that prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing, okay? Now, Paul is saying what? He's saying, I have prioritized the right stuff. I have chased after the things of God. I have had a heavenly vision. In fact, Paul literally says at one point, O King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. In other words, he got tuned in to a zoomed out perspective of what God was up to in his life and in the world. And he gave his life to that, okay? And now he's telling Timothy near the end of his life, man, I made the right decision. I know there's a prize that's awaiting me and it's there for everybody who will tune into this heavenly vision. And then he says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me. Why has Demas deserted? And he gives us the answer right here. He says, because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Because he loves the things of this life. He's gone. He was with me, but now he's not. He was pursuing the heavenly vision, now he's not. Can I tell you, from being a Christian now for 30 plus years, um, there's been a lot of people where I watched them worshiping next to me, standing together, serving Jesus with a lot of passion, a lot of buy-in, a lot of gusto. But if the love for the things of this world exceeds your love for Christ and his kingdom, you will always run away. At the bottom level, it's not about how much you read your Bible, how it's not like something you can earn or whatever. It comes down to what you actually love. Do you love the things of this life? And so we have to get real with God and get real with ourselves and say, do I love the things of this life more than I love the things of God? If all of this were stripped away, my comforts, my, uh, my, my amenities, everything were gone, would I run? Would I, would I flee or would I stand with Christ? Do you love the kingdom? Do you love Christ? Do you love God's people? Do you love God's house? Or do you love the things of this world? Now, there's no condemnation because maybe you go, man, I, I have a lot of love for the things of this life. Welcome to, welcome to this battle. Remember I said we're split. Half of us loves this world. We just think every, my wildest dreams will come true. All my pleasure and pride and possessions and all that. If I give in to that, I'm going to get it all and I'll, and I'll be the king of the world. Jesus says, what does it profit a man? gain the whole world but lose his soul. And there's that other part of us and we war and we wrestle. How do you know you actually belong to God? Because there's actually a war. When you're actually at war internally, that means there is this new nature that has been birthed inside of you that actually is wrestling against that fleshly sin nature. So be excited if you feel a tension here because that means you actually have some, some life and some light that's working against that darkness on the inside. But we want to get away from being Demas because he deserts the heavenly vision. He deserts. He gets away. He runs away. Not because he's a bad guy. It's because his affection and priority is in the wrong place. He loves the things of, his, of this life. 
And so we want to say, God, ignite in me, awaken in me a fresh passion and a love to be heavenly minded, to serve you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that starts in our hearts, doesn't it? Saying, I'm zooming out. I'm going to be heavenly minded. I'm going to think about eternity, how my choices, my actions impact the, 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 this uh, an eternal perspective. I'm going to zoom out and lean into what God has for me. So hopefully that's encouraging for you today. As we move forward in uh, our service today, I want to just give a special invitation. If you're watching this, whether live or on replay, and you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that. And I'm going to pray with you in just a second um, about that. You know, and I want to encourage you, this is where it starts. It's nothing that you do for God. It's everything about what God has done for you and what he's done for me. All of us are sinners. There's no uh, tiered system, you know, higher level of I'm more of a sinner, you're less of one or whatever at the foot of the cross. It's an even playing field. We all have to come to the cross and say, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so if that's you today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I confess my sins. I have not lived up to your standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy that was revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with my Father in heaven. Lord, I give you my life. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your salvation. And I ask for your life in exchange for mine. I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. Give me the grace to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, if you prayed that prayer with me today, and uh, if you, you know, meant it, you're excited about following Jesus, I want to invite you to take a small step of faith, but it's an important step, which is simply to text the word DECIDED to 541-229-8848. We're going to put that up on the screen. Text the word DECIDED to 541-229-8848. And what's going to happen? We're going to follow up with you and help you take your next steps as a follower of Jesus. Being a Christian is not a solo thing. It's a team sport. We want to bring you into the family, bring you into community. So Please take that small step of faith. Don't poo-poo it. Don't wait. Do it now. Text the word DECIDED to 541-229-8848. And as we get ready to transition into connect groups, uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to get more connected at Joy Church, if you want to lean into this family and be part of this this awesome church or just find out more information, uh, I want to invite you to text the word HOME to that same number, 541-229-8848. Just text the word HOME to 541-229-8848 and we'll get you some more information. Hey, you guys are awesome. God bless you. We'll see you at the park, 6.30 p.m. this Wednesday night. It's going to be a great time. Love you guys. Have a wonderful day.